All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. Okay, you guys, on the line, I've got Misty Winston from action4assange.com. Use the digit for there, action4assange.com. And uh, she's comrade Misty, Putin's buddy on Twitter, my Twitter <laughs> friend. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, hell yeah. So uh, happy to have you here, of course. Tell us, um, first of all, all the latest news on what's going on in the case of Julian Assange. I know uh, to start us off here that he is awaiting appeal to the very highest authority in the UK now, his very last appeal after it got kicked back down and worked back up again, down, up and down the chain of the courts there. This is the last one before it goes to the European Commission or some other damn thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but he's still locked up in prison. I think he's not in solitary, but he's still in prison, um, in uh, Belmarsh prison in the UK. And then that's all I know. So now uh, catch us up to date on the latest. Well, a lot has been going on this week. It's been a very busy week in the world of Assange. Um, uh, so as you mentioned, he is currently waiting for um, the request to appeal. They put in what's called a perfected grounds for appeal a couple of months ago. It's been a while. Um, and basically, as you said, it's just like a Hail Mary pass. It's like, hey, are you really sure you don't want to hear our appeal? Um, so that is almost certainly going to get denied. It's already been denied. Uh, the appeal has already been denied at one point. As you said, it's been kicked down and then back up the court, uh, the little chain of command there. Um, so there are a couple of other legal options in the UK. As you said, the European Court of Human Rights is a possibility. Um, but he's really kind of running out of legal options here. Um, so um, uh, uh, Christian Harafsnan, who is the current editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks, has said that he there's a very good chance that Julian Assange could be extradited to the United States within weeks. Um, so that is where the court case uh, currently stands. Um, but this week has been very busy. Um, on Monday, five international uh, uh, newspapers um, came out in support of Julian Assange. They, uh, you know, published an open letter of appeal um, to the United States to drop the charges against him. Um, so the New York Times, The Guardian, Der Spiegel, El Pais, and Le Monde, who were the five publishing partners of uh, Cablegate, which Monday was also the 12-year anniversary of Cablegate. So that is kind of why they decided to come out with this letter at this time. Um, so... That that was something that um, I mean, obviously that kind of support is welcome. It's also very frustrating because, in particular, the Garden Guardian, but also the New York Times, um, they have had a very heavy hand in um, kind of assassinating Julian Assange's character over the past decade. Um, they have been throwing him under the bus, publishing false stories about him, all of that good stuff. Um, so while it's good that they're you know finally coming out in support, twelve years too late, um, it is also very frustrating to see them do that. 
Um, and then we've also had, as uh, many people who are on Twitter probably saw, Elon Musk, who has been uh, incredibly silent about what's going on with Julian Assange. You know, he's such a free speech warrior. Um, but even in, in putting out his poll, um, he said he's he's not he's not expressing an opinion. He just wants to know what everybody thinks about it. Um, which again, very frustrating. But it's cool that Elon Musk put out this poll, um, which got like 3.3 million votes or something, eighty uh, percent over 80 percent in support of pardoning Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. Um, uh, it's uh, troubling to me that he phrased it in that way, because in my personal opinion, a pardon isn't needed. The charges should just be dropped. Um, uh, but you know, that's up for argument. A lot of people think that a pardon would be good because it prevents them from coming back with charges later. Um, but that's, you know, up to just, you know, personal opinion. Um, so that was also very cool to see. Um, but yeah, we, uh, there's a bunch of events happening tomorrow. Tomorrow's international, the international day for human rights. Um, so you can expect a bunch of tweets from a bunch of war criminals about how human rights are so important, uh, which is always fun. Uh, but there are global events taking place. And by uh, tomorrow, in- you mean Saturday the 10th? Yes. Saturday the 10th. You know, the thing of it is too, is we're talking about all of this in the year 2022, which is 12 years after the big league. And even eight years after the, you know, pretty big leak with the, um, you know, election of 2016 and all of that. And so I think there's probably a lot of people who know some about one aspect, but not the other and vice versa. And then also people who really don't know much at all about WikiLeaks. I don't know. Some guy posts leaks. Yeah. uh, And maybe don't even know what's so important about it all. So what is so important about it all? Well, and you're absolutely right. I think and that's one of the biggest uh, uh, problems that I have in, you know, kind of advocating for Assange is that a lot of people think that he's in prison for the 2016, the 2016 stuff. And that's just not the case. He's in prison currently for the uh, releases of 2010, the Iraq and Afghanistan war logs, the collateral murder video, the Guantanamo files, all of that stuff, um, which were the leaks that were given to WikiLeaks through Chelsea Manning. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, and and there's a lot of people, a whole lot of people who don't know who Assange is, have never heard of him or if they have heard of him, it's like in passing and they are like, oh, yeah, is he that leaks guy or whatever? But they have no idea what's happening to him, or more importantly, how what's happening to him affects everybody. Um, and that's uh, that's what makes this this case so crucial, is that, um, you know, if you care about anything, it doesn't matter what you care about. If your issue is environmentalism, education, uh, if you're anti-war, if you're whatever, it doesn't matter. You cannot effectively fight for the thing that you care about if you do not have the ability to speak, if you do not have the ability to publish truthful information. Um, and so what's happening to Assange impacts everything else that we're fighting for. Um, And he is a journalist and he will be the first and only journalist who will ever be charged under the Espionage Act, which sets obviously a very dangerous precedent moving forward. This essentially gives the United States global jurisdiction over information and journalism, which is pretty terrifying. <laughs> That's a pretty terrifying concept. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, I mean, this is this is one that, in my opinion, and I realize I'm biased because this is what I do, but in my opinion, we can't afford to lose this one. This is a big one. Um, and uh, this really does, I mean, I know you're big on Yemen. You can't fight for Yemen if you cannot um, uh, put the truth out there. If you can't educate people, if you can't have conversations, if you can't inform yourself and others about those causes, you cannot effectively fight for those things. And that's, I mean, this really is um, a turning point, in my opinion, in human history. We're going to go one of two ways here. Um, and it's not looking good right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Look, I think that's totally right. And the simple distinction that people got to understand Assange is the leak E, not yeah. the leaker. 
They yeah. make up this stuff about hacking this and that. That's a bunch of disproving crap. Everybody yeah. knows that. None of that is right. All he did was say, yeah, you want to give me those files. And he took those files and you just listed them earlier. The newspapers who published stories based on all the files that he handed them. So when they yeah. put that on the front page of the New York Times and any of the rest of these, they're not doing anything qualitatively different than him when he just posts the document without a paragraph analyzing it at the top. He's just right. saying, here's the document. But that's not in any reasonable or articulatable way different than a newspaper reporter telling you all the important stuff in this document that they got, which is what... You know, they say the New York Times test, but we know that Charlie Savage will always be allowed to print whatever lies the CIA leaks to yeah. him, no matter what their level of classification. But what about, you know, Seymour Hirsch publishing about the My Lai Massacre? And I forgot the name of it, but it was not the New York Times. It was some small left wing, uh, you know, circular that went around or whatever, yeah. where that story got broken. And, and a million of them since, a million important stories that are done by what they would consider, um, you know, alternative media or marginal media compared to the giants. And if they can do this to Assange, it's not that they can do it to the New York Times. It's that they're going to do it to everybody but the New York Times. Yes. And you'll just, and that's you know, such a good point. That is such a great point because you're right. The New York Times is, uh, they're able to print uh, propaganda on a regular basis with no uh, consequences whatsoever. How many wars have they lied us into? And we know that they lied. Like, it's not up for debate anymore. We them. know that they lied. Uh, yeah, all of them. Uh, but that's never, th that will go without consequence. And that's what's so frustrating about what's happening to Julian is that it, it, he's never printed anything false ever, not one time. WikiLeaks has never had to retract a single word um, in over 16 years of existence, millions of documents published, um, and they've never had to retract a single one. So in a time where everybody's clutching their pearls over misinformation and fake news, it's weird to me that there's not more support for the one guy on earth, literally the only guy. And it's not just him. WikiLeaks is, uh, you know, they have a staff and all of that stuff, uh, but he is kind of the figurehead. He's the fall guy here. Um, so he's the one guy on earth who we know for sure has never published a single word of misinformation. And what WikiLeaks offers us is so valuable, in my opinion, because it makes journalism as much of a science, and I mean real science here, not Fauci science. It makes it as much of a science as humanly possible. They, like you said, it's not conjecture. There's no opinion. It's not a bunch of talking heads screaming at each other. What WikiLeaks offers you is 100% verifiable, authenticated source documentation. It is just the facts in black and white. Here's the truth. You read it. You decide what it means. Uh, and to me, that's such a valuable service to humanity to be able to peel back the curtain and look behind, uh, you know, the walls and see what's really happening, uh, you know, in the Iraq war, to see what's happening at the DNC and the corruption that's involved in the election process or any of the other, uh, you know, number of things that WikiLeaks has published about. And I think that that is such a valuable thing. And most people um, have no idea that that's what they do. That's what they've always done. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, it's a very frustrating thing that people, especially people who, you know, really get hyped up about, you know, especially right now, there's all this stuff about uh, real journalism, uh, you know, like Rick Grinnell is running around talking about how real journalists need to be, you know, worried about what's going on at Twitter. Rick Grinnell had a huge hand in getting Julian Assange arrested. So <laughs> the, the hypocrisy is astounding. Um, and it comes from both sides. Um, and it's really, it's, it's just a really weird time to live in where the truth just really doesn't matter. And people are fine with being propagandized. Um, and you know, people are, we don't support our truth tellers in any way. Yeah, it is crazy. And you know, there was a time where 
especially the left, but even liberals too, were kind of the champions of Assange and Manny after the first leak. Although the leak came in 2010, so it included some stuff about Obama and Hillary in there, which kind of soured it. But it was, you know, mostly about, it was the Iraq and Afghan war logs came first, and then the State Department cables. And so originally it was Bush that was implicated the most, and it was terrible. The stuff that was revealed in there about how they lied about how many people they knew they had killed and all of these things, and, and war crimes that they had covered up that they admit to in the documents. Um Anyway, don't get me started on that. No, and I know. The, and the <laughs> Afghan war logs. And then, but so, uh, then you have this partisan thing where, you know, the right-wingers, you know, certainly didn't like them and didn't champion them, regardless of how heroic their journalism was at the time. And then you have the whole transgendered sort of thing with uh, Chelsea Manning, which makes it all, you know, extremely culture war political in all the wrong way. So now we're not talking about leaks anymore. Now we're off on all this woke stuff back and forth. And then uh, you have the interference, as they called it, the journalism that was published in the summer of 2016, the leaks from the uh, DNC and Podesta, who was the chair of Hillary Clinton's uh, presidential campaign. And Craig Murray, who's a friend of Julian Assange, told me on this show that he met the source, two different yes. sources for both leaks. And they were both Americans and neither of them had the slightest thing to do with Russia. He made yeah. it clear that the, I think he made it pretty clear that the one who leaked the Podesta emails was from the NSA. And they had a grudge because they knew they would go to prison if they did what Hillary did. Yeah. And yet somehow she gets away with it. This kind of thing was the motive there, which is a totally separate person from this other person, neither of whom are. And I just, whatever, I believe Craig Murray on this. And I yeah. know that even in the Mueller report, they did not even pretend. They said right there, look, we don't have a chain of custody to WikiLeaks here. We're yeah. not even going to claim that we did because you'll make fun of us. So forget it. And then, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Ray yeah. McGovern and Bill Benny run the group's uh, Veterans Intelligence uh, Professionals for Sanity. Right. And they did like an evaluation of the information. And, and I'm not a tech person, so I'm not going to pretend to like know all of the intricacies of what that is. But they, in their evaluation, they said that there's absolutely no way that this could have come from Russia. It was a thumb drive download. It did not come from Russia. It would have like the download speed would have been so much slower. Um, so this thing has been disproven time and time again. But you're right. It is this part. It's wait, this wait, one part more thing on that i'm sorry to interrupt but no, 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 I, go ahead. uh just real quick jeffrey carr who is a yeah. very high level security expert came on this show in july of 2016 and he goes listen nobody can tell you who hacked that thing you can't examine a server and say i can tell you who did it because yeah. it's too easy to fake it period that's well, it and it, discussion in he seven, said there's one there's in one outfit seven. in the world who can tell you exactly who did it if it went over the internet at all, and that's the National Security Agency. Yes. And they can tell you with 100% complete assurance and confidence who did it if they have it, because they can even rewind the whole internet and watch the past and see what yeah. happened, which packet went where at any time. They have total omniscient but n authority over it all, view of it all, but no one else does. But yeah. so then that means that when Reality Winner leaked that document and it showed that the NSA only had medium confidence in this because they're just going along with their friends at the FBI yeah. and CIA <laughs> on this one, then you know right there yes. that they did not document 
that yes, the Russians hacked this server and no. that's the daughter that didn't bark right there. That's all you need to know right there, really. Yeah, and I mean, we know from Vault 7, which was released in March of 2017 through WikiLeaks, which by the way, incredibly courageous of Julian Assange, who was at that point already years into illegal and arbitrary detention in the Ecuadorian embassy. Um, and then he went ahead and released the largest CIA leak in history. Um, and in Vault 7, it shows that it, the United States has the capability to hack into systems and then leave footprints that make it look like it's somebody else. Um, so there, you're right. There's no way that anybody can uh, really, um, with any authority, say that they know for sure. Uh, I mean, you can say, like, with what Vips did, um, you can say that, you know, it couldn't have been, nobody from Russia could have done it. The download speeds would have been too uh, too long. Uh, it had to have been, like, a local uh, download or a thumb drive download. So you can do that kind of stuff. But yeah, the NSA could do it, but they won't. And they, that's why they never, they always equivocate on this stuff. And they always say that they're, you know, uh, they're pretty sure. They're pretty sure. They, they'll never say that they have full certainty of what's going on there because they just don't have any way of knowing. Yep. Um, well, so there you go on that. And then I'm sorry, do you remember your train of thought when I interrupted you on that technical point um, there about the... Oh yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna touch on the 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 kind of partisan tribalism kind of thing. It's really unfortunate, you know, when it when the 2010 releases came out, um, you know, uh, Democrats and liberals love Julian Assange. He did a TED talk and got a standing ovation in a room full of liberals, right? Um, and uh, you know, and Republicans and conservatives hated him. Um, and then the 2016 leaks come out, and all of a sudden, liberals hate Julian Assange, and conservatives love him. And Donald Trump saying, "I love the WikiLeaks," you know what I mean? Um, and it's I, it's really depressing to me that there's no consistency of principle um, because I stand for free speech and for truth and no matter what I don't care whose team it impacts or whose team it helps it doesn't matter um, and there is none of that in our political landscape right now and you know Julian Assange is an unfortunate victim of that it's you know it's really it's sad to watch people kind of just completely throw their principles under the bus um, because their team is is impacted one way or the other yeah seriously hey you all it's fun raising time again at the Libertarian Institute we try not to do this to you too often, but business is business after all. I got a great group of guys and a gal at the Institute, and I got to pay them. So just go to libertarianinstitute.org slash donate to pick your price and help out. We've got some great kickbacks too, books and shirts. Great ones. That's libertarianinstitute.org slash donate. And thank you all very much. Hey, y'all, Scott Horton here for Tennessee Hot Sauce Company. Man, this stuff is so good. They get all different flavors. Garlic habanero, honey habanero, pineapple habanero, poblano jalapeno, and the blood orange ghost. They're all so good, I swear. And for a limited time, Tennessee Hot Sauce Company is featuring official Scott Horton Hotter Than the Sun thermonuclear hot sauce. It's full of Carolina Reapers, Scorpion Peppers, Dr. Pepper, hydrogen isotopes, and all kinds of things that'll burn your tongue clean off. Seriously, it's really good. Get yourself a hot sauce subscription. Spend $40 or more and use promo code SCOTT to get a free bottle of Hotter Than The Sun hot sauce. That's tnhotsauceco.com. Hey, y'all got to check out these awesome busts of our hero, the great Ron Paul. They're made by the renowned sculptor Rick Casali. They're 13 inches tall, hand-painted bronze resin based on Casali's brilliant original. Y'all may have seen mine in the background on my bookshelf in some recent interviews. The thing is unbelievable. Check out this incredible piece of art at rickasali.com slash ronpaul, and you'll see what I mean. Use promo code Horton, and you'll save 25 bucks, and this show will get a little kickback, too. That's rickasali.com slash ronpaul. Casali is C-A-S-A-L-I, rickasali.com slash ronpaul. And there's free shipping, too. And, you know, like Greenwald, 
as a typical, I think liberal, I don't think he's really that far to the left. He just doesn't fit in with what liberals are now. But his idea was like, and this is just basic kind of journalism principle 101 from not too old days, is that like, hey, let the truth come out. Let the people decide. It's not the reporter's job to yeah. pick and choose. I mean, you can pick and choose what you're interested in covering. That's something. But like, hey, if you got a scoop, publish it, man. Yeah. And um, and even regardless of the source, you know, somebody turns over dirt on their political enemy, but you can verify it. Run that thing, man. Yeah, uh, that's and, what journalists are supposed to do. If yeah. you get information that is verifiable and it's in the public interest, you publish it, period. End that's of story. Right. And in fact, like Hillary at first said, look, it was the racists and it was James Comey who reannounced <laughs> the investigation into her private email server that cost her the election. And then, you know, Russians was kind of third and then they stuck with that. Yeah. You know? Well, she had like a little wheel that she would spin on a daily basis of who am I going to blame today? Is it right. Julian Assange? Is it Susan Sarandon? Is it Jill Stein? Is it, you know, she just had like a little wheel of people that she could blame. And she still, still to this day is trying to uh, blame everybody but herself, you yeah. know. And in fact, because part of that no, thing, part you, of the accusation that this was the Russians was see the Russians hit back when the, <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, what you call Access Hollywood tape of, of Trump was leaked. Yeah. And he was in such trouble. But then you have this Italian journalist whose name I bet you know off the top of your head. Who Stefania Maruzzi? Uh, hang on, I have Perhaps. it here. Who's it? Yeah, yeah, Maruzzi, that's it. Yeah, she's um, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she said, nuh-uh, I was the one who put that out because I was finished yeah. getting it prepared, and that's it. So don't give me that. I had nothing to do with that. It was just a coincidence. Yeah, but they'll they'll use, they'll use spend that stuff however they can to avoid accountability and to save face. And I mean, it's hugely embarrassing that Hillary Clinton lost to a game show host that she hand-selected. She hand-selected him as her opponent and got her minions in the media to give him coverage to make him look legitimate. And then he trounced her. And that's embarrassing for her. And so, yeah, she's got to blame everybody but herself. Yep. And right. And that was in the WikiLeaks from the Podesta yep. emails, the Pied Piper strategy. Yep. We Thank want you, Julian. Yep. People say, why is CNN showing an hour of Trump's empty podium before he even gets there? Now we know when, why. <laughs> yeah, Bernie Sanders is giving a speech in front of thousands of people right now. Yeah. 2,000 people turn out. They won't cover that, but they'll tr cover Trump's empty podium. Well, that's why, because Hillary was cheating. But everybody knows cheaters never win. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the whole thing blew up in her face. Well, and that's yeah. why I think the media, too, doesn't give the Assange case as much coverage. There are many reasons why they don't. I think he embarrasses them because he is what they should be. Um, but also in those in, in the 2016 releases, it showed that many people, many members of the media, high level, like Rachel Maddow's, like people high level in the media were attending like off the record parties with the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, Glenn Thrush uh, famously uh, sent an article to the Hillary Clinton campaign for approval before he uh, published it. And in, in the email, he said, look. I realize this makes me a hack, but if you guys want to read through this and, and send me any <laughs> changes that you want made, just let me know. And, and he's like, they know, they know, he know, he knew that that made him a hack. Um, but that's the relationship that, it, that, it, that it, it exists uh, in our political landscape, the mainstream media and our government, they're all owned and operated by the same people, right? Like the media, the politicians, they're all owned and operated by the same people. Yep. And it's just, and look there, it's been a while since I caught up on this, but you can find out there maps of the interlocking boards of directors there's just these giant multinational corporations and a lot of times tied with the arms industry and that kind of thing yep. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, and yeah, and it's you know they'll do everything they can to consolidate. And since it's especially in TV, it's such a heavily regulated industry. You have all this government protectionism. I always like to quote this great quote from Dan Rather from a documentary called Buying the War that was done on PBS by um, Bill Moyers. And Rather says, look, when you work at these multinational corporations like CBS, these companies have huge regulatory needs in Washington, D.C., legislative needs, regulatory needs. And when you work for them, you don't need a memo to tell you that. Right. And what he's saying is, essentially, he's saying you can't cross the national government really at all in no. any serious way. No. Well, there's the famous Noam Chomsky interview that he's doing with some journalist. I don't remember the guy's name, but the journalist is like, what do you what do you mean? Are you saying that I don't actually believe the things that I'm reporting on? And Noam Chomsky said, no, I think you absolutely believe it. I just know that you wouldn't have that job if you didn't. You know right. what I mean? Like, if you don't go along, you you get pushed out. It's a, a great filtering system. If you actually challenge authority or if you report on things that they don't want you to report on, then you, I mean, look at what happened to somebody like Chris Hedges. He reported honestly about the Iraq war and he was fired from the New York Times. Uh, and that's that's what happens all over all over the place. That's, I mean, that is the state of our media. It's it's very, they don't have to, you don't, they don't have to uh, uh, come to you and say it directly. You just know. You know that there are certain things you don't touch that are third rail issues and you just go with the flow or you lose your job yep and which by the way he did have a job writing about how saddam was in alliance with osama for a while before he changed his tune there yeah and then that was what got his got him fired when he changed his tune but man some of those stories from 01 and 02 are really bad there yeah agreed but, yeah chris hedges anyway <laughs> listen so um i'm so glad that you're doing this i mean hell Imagine if this happened to any of us, that you get locked up for publishing a secret yeah. that got leaked to you in the United or at the hands of the United States of America. And look, he's not an American citizen, but if he's under the uh, prosecution, under the control of the U.S. government, that makes him a U.S. person. And that means that the Bill of Rights applies to him. Well, it's it's this. That's what's another very frustrating thing about this case is the U.S. very much wants to have its cake and eat it too. Here, like you said, he's not an American. He's never lived in America. WikiLeaks is not an American publication, um, and yet they think that they have the power and authority uh, to prosecute him under U.S. the U.S. Espionage Act, which is crazy. It's crazy to me that I mean, the journalists around the globe should be terrified about what's happening here. Um, and you know, it, it, the fact that this has been able to go on for as long as it has is really. Uh, disheartening. It's really depressing that this is something that's gone on for this long. He's been uh, just yet. I think it was yesterday was the 12 year anniversary of his actual uh, initial arrest. Um, and he's been in some form of incarceration or detainment uh, ever since then. That's 12 years of this man's life that he has given up simply just for publishing again, just publishing the truth. They have a 100% record of accuracy. Um, so that's a really scary thing. And the idea that the United States is able to go after an Australian citizen through the UK is crazy. All right. So tell us about the activist community involved in trying to keep the pressure up on this, because I know you've got a lot of friends and allies uh, who people listening can themselves ally with and hopefully we get some multiplier effect going on here. Yeah, for sure. So um, if you're in the States, there are a lot of groups all over the country. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there's a group in Denver. My friend Kendra uh, runs that group. There's a group in Boston. My friend Paula. Wait, wait, uh, what are they called? 
Um, so I think Denver is Denver free Assange. Um, Boston is Assange defense, Boston, um, Tulsa. I don't think Tulsa has like an official name. I think it's maybe Tulsa for Assange or something like that. Um, but it's just like these small kind of pocket groups throughout the country. There's a DC group that just recently was formed. They do a lot of, um, uh, work at like going to Merrick Garland's house. They hold regular vigils out directly outside of his actual personal residence, um, which is great. Um, so there's a DC group, there's a Seattle group. Um, uh, and if you just search on like Twitter or whatever, um, Assange Seattle, I'm sure that it'll come up. Um, but yeah, there's groups happening that are popping up there. The support has been growing. I mean, over the past, uh, so he was arrested uh, April 11th of 2019. And over since then I've, I've witnessed the support growing just exponentially. It's crazy how, um, fast it's happening. And it's, I mean, it's at the same time, it's too slow. Um, he is in poor health. He had a mini stroke, um, uh, not this past October, but the October before, um, he, uh, you know, uh, supposedly got COVID and he's been subjected to psychological torture for over a decade. So he's not doing well. Um, and uh, obviously, and so, um, I mean, we need this to happen much quicker, uh, but it is very cool to watch things grow. Um, and the activist community is really, glo- I mean, it's so global. The London, I cannot say enough good things about the people in London. Um, they are absolutely, they're out there like twice a week, every single week, rain, shine, snow, COVID didn't matter. I mean, they would go outside and pretend to exercise <laughs> when they were on lockdown so that they could uh, keep up their their regular vigils. Um, they are absolutely just uh, the most amazing, most passionate activists that I uh, have the pleasure of knowing. And they're great people. Um, there's people in Australia There's and who have been done, they've been doing a lot of work on um, getting a lot of MPs to sign on to a bipartisan group um, to pressure the now Albanese government um, to kind of do more for Assange. You know, <laughs> it's their citizen. And unfortunately, they really don't do much uh, in terms of fighting for him. Um, so yeah, there's activist groups all over the place. There's constant efforts being made, whether it's on the ground or online, it doesn't matter. There's always um, people trying to do something, raise awareness about it, um, which is really cool. It's really, it's really been, um, uh, you know, when things are bad, I'm always like, yeah, but look, look at how much the support has grown. And we really have come a long way. So, uh, I mean, if you just look at the Elon Musk poll, I was shocked. Honestly, I thought, oh, here come the trolls. The anti-Assange trolls are going to take this poll over. It's going to, we'll probably win it, but it'll be close. And it was over 80% support. So I was really, that was really, I mean, obviously not a scientific poll, um, and was worded very poorly and made the mistake of putting Assange and Snowden together in the same poll when they should have been separate. Um, but you know, I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. The support is growing for sure. That's great. All right. Now, um, I interviewed John Young from Cryptome last week. And if people go to cryptome.org, he has a file. You can download the entire uh, collection of the State Department documents unredacted. Yep. There. Um, but WikiLeaks itself has been undergoing a lot of problems lately. I don't know if yes. you realize that, but even the all important yet means yet memo is now a 404 error. And I wonder does anybody know who's actually running that site right now? I I asked them on Twitter, like, hey, what's going on with the site? Can we help you in any way? Is there any kind of thing? They're still tweeting. So there's somebody home, but uh, yeah, I don't want to be too paranoid about it. I know that computer systems break down over time and whatever, but it seems like they don't have somebody there to fix it or I don't know what's going on. 
I, n- nobody knows what's going on. And frankly, it's really disturbing that they haven't addressed it publicly. Um, we've been talking about it since it started happening. We've been asking questions. And nobody has really addressed it. Um, some people have addressed it who don't. I mean, it's just like random Twitter people be like, oh, yeah, but they said this happened. I'm like, but who are you? Like, are you an official with WikiLeaks? How do you know? Like, what? who told you? Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't want to be too conspiratorial either. But it is disturbing to see, uh, you know, the, the receipts disappearing in real time. I mean, that needs to be addressed publicly. So hopefully um, somebody at WikiLeaks will address that issue and, and you know, make it clear what's going on. Obviously, um, if it's something, you know, that they they're under attack, I mean, it, all the time, there's no question about it. And the uh, all of the money, time and resources that they get or that they have is a lot of that is spent trying to save Julian's life. So um, if there's a, a good explanation for it, then just let us know. Like, uh, we need to know what's going on. And we need to know that those documents are secure. And they're not they're not just going to get wiped out. Because I mean, that is a historical record, and that needs to be protected. Um, so yeah, I don't know, nobody has really addressed it of any official capacity that I'm aware of. And I really hope that they do soon. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I'll let you go and hopefully have a good rest of your afternoon there, Misty. But I really appreciate your time on the show and all your dedication to this all important issue here. And yeah, thank you. Uh, just really quickly um, for uh, because of the uh, New York Times, The Guardian, all those people. Um, so I did like a monster thread of local newspapers in the United States. Oh, OK. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. I, that's yeah. Yeah, go ahead. This is a big this is this is a, a big opportunity that we have here um, because we have five major international players coming out in support of Julian Assange. Um, this gives us an opportunity where we can start reaching out to local newspapers and really starting to pressure them to add their names in support of Assange as well. So um, if you go to my Twitter, it's the pin tweet on my Twitter. It's at Sarcasm Stardust. Um, it's the pin tweet. It's a monster thread. There's like three or four different contact uh, uh, links to uh, different uh, in in each state there's three or four uh, different contact uh, pieces there. So you can go and it doesn't have to be just those three or four. I just pick the three or four like kind of top publications. But if you want to reach out to your own personal local um, smaller publication, that's great too. It doesn't matter. Um, I just wanted to give people a jumping off point. Um, but you can go, uh, you can send them the actual letter of support from the the big five newspapers. You can send them the article from the New York Times and just say, hey, look, you know, these big publications are now coming out in support of Julian Assange. It would be, be really cool if... Um, um, you know, you would also add your name and support as well. Um, we've seen a couple of smaller newspapers. There was one in Pasadena that like the next day after the big five came out, uh, they also published like a, 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 a um, kind of a, a, a whole uh, organization like, hey, we, we also want to lend our support to this as well. So um, if we can like kind of push that and get that ball rolling and start getting even more local uh, newspapers involved, I think that that would be really good. And I might also break the seal on the kind of blackout, the media blackout that this case gets. It's very rarely covered um, even by mainstream media, but then also certainly not by, you know, more smaller local newspapers. Um, and we need like that's what we need. We need more coverage. We need more people to just be aware. As we said earlier, a lot of people have no idea what's happening. So that's one way that we can kind of start to get that ball rolling and push that uh, and push these, you know, publications to start doing their jobs, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I haven't written a letter to the editor in so long. Um, uh, yeah. You know, that kind of, but I could see the point of writing it literally to them, 
Like, yeah. hey, guys, you need to start covering this in a way. Make it sort of a first-person conversation there with them. Yes. And if anybody is, like, not really sure how to go about writing that letter, my friend Paula put together kind of a sample letter. It's got multiple different pieces, like points of information that you can include. You don't have to include them all. Uh, letters to the editor generally need to be very concise. So just pick, the you know, a few that really stand out to you um, and include them in your letter. It, we just wanted to make it as easy as possible. So that her sample letter is also included in that thread. Um, we try to make it as easy as possible. Go just pick a couple each day, shoot off a, a letter to the editor and uh, encourage them to add their name and support. Keller. All right. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, that is Misty Winston. She's at actionforassange.com. And uh, again, that's the digit for there. And uh, check out her, what the hell? I just had it here. Her um, Twitter is at Sarcasm Stardust. Comrade Misty is Putin's buddy, it says. I think that must be an accusation she's mocking. <laughs> and uh, again, action for Assange. And I'm going to look up, see if there's anything going on in Austin. I'll try to drop by tomorrow. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.